Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. Of course, you know this program is always devoted to helping you with your financial life by assisting you in getting, of course, your financial house in order. We're dedicated, and I mean really dedicated, to assist you in this confusing financial world where you are in exposed to more information than ever before. And in fact, I feel like sometimes even in my chair, I sit down and think of a fire hose running all the time, just hard and heavy, and you try to make something of that. So we're here to help you develop your financial roadmap in order to achieve your financial dreams and desires. We're about giving you direction on knowing the difference between someone selling you something and, of course, someone truly trying to provide you with helpful advice and guidance. We bring insights, insights that I think give you some assistance to that about with other professionals to help you avoid emotionally driven decisions of, that are important as far as when it comes to your money matters. We discuss quality products and ways to make selection in which product is best for you. And that is always a very, very tough conversation with a lot of people because you get told about something and then you've got to figure out, is that best for you? Talk Money is about giving you information to help you make the most of your money. Well, that's what we kind of want you to understand about what we do today on Talk Money. We hope to encourage you, the investor, to write out what we call the near-term turbulence. Now, it's it's just reality. It's We've seen a little bit of that the last couple of weeks, some of this volatility that we talk about a lot. We will give you more insight on just what that means. There's been a broad kind of a move away from equities in the last couple of weeks. Today, we're going to find out why. The focus has always been on, you know, what is the best thing for you? And that's kind of my guests today are going to help us go through that process. You know, the escalating risk in Syria, Afghanistan, and North Korea, that is a hot topic. The S&P 500 has been down. Treasury yields have been down. The dollar is down. And so what does that mean? You know, we see oil and gold prices go up. So uh, we've got some guests today that are really going to help us. In fact, I, I really want you to understand what we're going to be dealing with today will give you some thoughts about why this, you know, the Trump administration has been, maybe some of their thoughts have not been exactly where we wanted to be. Well, let me tell you who I've got. Today, Rusty Leonard, a frequent guest of ours, CEO of Stewardship Partners, Drew Johnson and Keith Quinn from our investment group and our investment team at Shoemaker Financial, they're going to give us insight into what really is going on in the economy. We've got to make some sense out of it. If volatility is on the rise, if it's turbulent, and we've got to figure it out. Should we stay with a pro-growth investment? Well, 
That's what we're going to find out. We've got some great people. Stay with us, because when we come back, you're going to get some answers to your questions about volatility and turbulence in the market. This is Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, KWAM 990. Jim Shoemaker, Keith Quinn, and Drew Johnson are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from The Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Jim Shoemaker, Keith Quinn, and Drew Johnson are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. This portion of Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. And again, it's good to have you with us this morning. And again, I was telling you earlier that we have Keith Quinn and the and uh, Keith Quinn and Drew Johnson. Both and, of us. Uh, we're going to both of you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good part. And uh, guys, let me say this to you: the Trump administration's economic v- views. You know what we're right. talking about. They don't seem to match those of his campaign. Now, hang on, just give me a few minutes here because I'm no, really, I agree. I mean, he seems he seems to be kind of moving in a little bit of a direction. In fact, he seems to have softened. His administration has proved to be unpredictable in matters of geopolitical and some about his economic policies and for sure and so that's caused some uncertainty right well we always say the market hates uncertainty and i think china is a great example you know he labeled china a currency manipulator during the campaign and then came out last friday i think and said they're not a currency manipulator but now they're helping us on north korea which is really really good so pivots like that i think are a very positive thing well, when you say positive, again, you talk about that he's changed, he's softening, and but is that good for the market? Well, I think uncertainty is not necessarily good for the market, but I think the ability to get deals done is always going to be good for the market, to accomplish things, to move us forward. So as long as we're moving in the right direction and we're starting to make progress on everything, apparently from health care reform to Steve Mnuchin, Secretary uh, Treasury came out yesterday, said we're making some progress on tax reform. So I think all of those are positive developments, but we need to see more details and we need to see this get through you know, with some legislative language to back up the rhetoric. Well, again, I I think that's probably one of the biggest issues. And I think the news media, I think that noise creates some issues. And, Drew, when when we think about that, from a standpoint of what we're trying to guide people through in making decisions, what what do you see is probably one of the biggest issues that creates this volatility? I mean, is is it just his 
rhetoric? Is it just his in uncertainty? His, uh, the, you know, maybe again, do you feel that's part of it, or is it really some economic stuff? Well, I, I don't think so much that the fundamentals of of the economics have changed all that much. Just in the time that he's been elected and come to office, I think a lot of the problem is people don't know what to believe. Well, you know, you're exactly right it, with the uncertainty of what to believe. I know corporate earnings has finally turned the curve, and we're seeing that the, over the long period that we seem to be heading in a better direction. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're, you know, we finally came out of the earnings recession where we saw all the consecutive quarters of negative earnings growth. Now we're projected to, you know, have earnings grow anywhere from five to to nine percent in the first quarter. So this is a really positive development for equities, and ultimately equities trade on earnings. We're talking about stock prices, so you know, having that earnings growth is key if we think you know the equity market is a little bit overvalued. As long as we've got earnings growth, and that's a really good thing, and that can propel us higher. And that's one of the things that we we have to watch. Well, I, I think that one of the biggest issues that I get concerned about and is that this emotional volatility that we talk about seems, to, when I say emotional, I need, to, I need to couch it. One of the things that we get a lot of questions about, let's right. put it that way, is how do I manage through the noise? You know sure. what I'm saying? And Absolutely. Saying, when we talk about that, I mean, things are not perfect. I mean, President Trump's first hundred days, the instability, the the lack of maybe uh, some uncertainty as we got through that. Sure. But how do you manage through that, guys? How do you how do you handle the noise of the media saying all the bad things or what's going on? And yet there seems to be some momentum. Right. The, the, the easy answer is you tune it out. You don't get caught up in, in the day-to-day movements of the market. Again, we always talk about you know looking at investing through the lens of financial planning. So as long as you've got a financial plan, you figure out the allocation of your portfolio, how much you want to have in stocks, how much you want to have in bonds, and you stick with that allocation despite the inevitable volatility you'll see in the equity markets. The equity markets are always volatile. We're going to be up 100 points. We're going to be down 100 points. And yesterday was a great example. We gained 100 74 points and that is volatile but that's upside volatility so that's good that's a good thing and that's what we have to focus on focus on the long term focus on staying patient well i i think one of the biggest things that i feel like is is probably as important as anything is that this bumpy start with the administration is something we have to understand that may be the next four years well, but I, th- I think it's a little soon to say that only because, you know, we haven't really given him a chance. This is a guy who has no experience in government that's coming in, and we're talking about the first hundred days. And he's talking about, you know, repealing Obamacare and bringing in tax reform. These are incredibly complicated issues, and I think it's a whole different skill set than it is necessarily making a business deal because you've got all these constituencies, and everybody has their little piece that they want to get through, I, and you've got to manage all I that love together. I getting your take, but... I want to get Rusty Leonard's take. Yeah, so. let's go to the real expert. <laughs> uh, welcome to the program. Founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners, a frequent guest of ours, Mr. Rusty Leonard. Welcome to the program, sir. Hey, thank you. Nice uh, to be with you again, as always. As always, we appreciate that. Well, we were just discussing the president, and, uh, you know, it, he has gotten off to a bumpy start, and, and we were actually saying, you know, that a little bit of that uncertainty and the uh, you know, his economic views don't seem to match some of his campaign rhetoric, and he, um, I'm not sure the geopolitical, the economic policies, what is that sense as far as the uncertainty in the market? What's your take? 
Well, it certainly has been a bumpy start, but you know that was kind of predictable, wasn't it? Uh, we know who this guy was, and uh, everything about him, uh, you know, would have told you that this would be the way it would be. That there'd be bouncing around, there'd be changes of opinion. There, <laughs> you know, it was going to be entertaining. Uh, he's an entertainer more than he is anything else. So it's not wasn't all that surprising to me, at least, that uh, this has been the road that's gone. The other thing is that you knew, too, that there wasn't, um, in Congress, that, the, that he, even though he had a majority in each house, uh, that that wasn't going to be enough. In the Senate, he didn't have 60, 60 uh, Senate senators on his side, so you knew that was always going to be a place where things could legislation could be blocked. Uh, but it hasn't even gotten there because he hasn't been able to get Republicans in Congress and the, and the House to agree on a lot of things. And so there's, it's not all his fault. Uh, you know, the repeal and re, uh, replace situation is more uh, a problem with the congressman than it is with uh, anything the president stuff. You know, so, that, that's kind of an odd thing, too, when you mention that, too, because, I mean, they, they don't seem, there seems to be a little bit of a mindset of a hesitancy to even follow the president, and that's creating some problems, is what you're kind of saying. Yep, and he'll have that with tax reform as well. It'll be a, a challenge to get the tax reform done, I think, um, because the you know the, one of the things is that President uh, Trump has never had any problem borrowing money in his businesses. That's been something that he's you know been very liberal about doing. Yeah. He's the king but, of debt. <laughs> he said yeah, it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's right. So, uh, but there's a lot of congressmen, Republican congressmen, who of course are very much anti-debt and don't want to go there. So. You know, he's going to have problems when he wants to uh, increase the deficit. There's going to be you know, some real kickback. And so that could cause him some additional problems trying to get some of this legislation through. And I think Rusty's exactly right. And I think really when it comes down to the repeal and replace of the Affordable Care Act, you know, I lay that right at Paul Ryan's feet. You know, how dare he roll out a bill when he had not built up a consensus between the Freedom Caucus and the moderates in his party and give President Trump something that they were all willing to support? Uh, you know, again, maybe it was a lesson learned. I, I hope it was. Uh, you hope it was, you know, from that standpoint. Okay. The Fed. I, you know, I'm interested. I just read, I think it was in the journal yesterday, maybe, um, or today, this morning, uh, that he is, you know, he was pretty brutal with Janet Yellen in the <laughs> campaign. <laughs> yeah. and, and all of a sudden, I hear that he says, well, maybe she is good for another term. And that's that shocked me, to be honest. But there seems the Fed to be thinking that the economy is strong enough, they've raised rates three times. Um, I guess, Rusty, what we're asking, do you agree with that? Is that? Do you feel like that there's a chance maybe they've gotten a little bit over, a little more robust with the economy than they actually were seeing? I mean, there's a lot of things that I don't feel the economy, the economy is doing as, uh, as well as maybe, th- and again, I hate to say they seem to, they almost like it's time to raise rates. We're going to raise rates, or is it a problem? Well, to be determined, right? Uh, we'll see what they're looking at, and what they've been consistently saying is that the employment market is what they're most concerned about. And since inflation was under control for the most part, uh, and they were happy to let inflation get slightly out of control, so to speak—not really out of control, but just slightly higher than their target—in uh, order to get the employment market. Uh, fixed up. And, you know, now we have unemployment down to levels that uh, the Federal Reserve at least believes are kind of normal levels. And so they feel like in order to keep the economy from overheating, they need to, you know, push forward with uh, higher interest rates and kind of normalize monetary policy because it's been very abnormal for a very long period of time. In fact, all during the Obama administration, it's been abnormal and uh, was actually something that helped Obama very much that they kept the economy uh, going during that period of time. Now, as soon as Trump gets in, in power, they're, they're trying to put the brakes on the economy. 
So it's a it's an interesting political dynamic as well as a, a monetary policy dynamic going on there. I, but it's, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. I really do appreciate what you just said because I feel there is some economic uh, potential problems, but also it's a political. It seems to be a very political mindset. Could very well be, uh, but I I would I'm sure that they would deny that all day long themselves. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that may be true. They may not be having that because the employment market is tightening up, uh, at least as the way, as the way they measure the employment market is tightening up. Uh, I'm, you know, president Trump won the election in, in large part because of his focus on jobs and make America great again and get the jobs back here and block, you know, people coming from overseas into our marketplace to take the jobs away from Americans and all that. So clearly uh, while the Federal Reserve may feel like uh, the job market's tightening up, it sounds like the electorate doesn't see it the same way. Rusty, would you would you have any concern about the last employment report where we only added 98,000 jobs? I mean, that was way off the consensus and just not in line with the numbers we've seen recently. Is that just kind of an outlier, or is that something that we should be concerned about? It's probably an outlier, but uh, you need to pay attention. Uh, at the beginning of this year, all of the economic data was surprisingly good. Right. Looking very, very attractive. Just in the last couple of weeks, it's kind of fallen off the cliff. The surprises have nowhere have not been anywhere near as good, and it's looked a lot more negative. That's probably a transitory thing. It may have to do with seasonality because we had a warm winter. That may affect some of the uh, statistics and the seasonal, seasonal adjustments, but maybe not. Maybe it's the reality. So we need to uh, pay close attention to that because uh, it could be that the Fed has made uh, a mistake by raising rates too early. Mm. That's a great point. Uh, if you just tuned in, we're talking with Rusty Leonard, CEO of Stewardship Partners uh, and founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners, a frequent guest of ours, along with Drew Johnson and Keith Quinn. You're listening to Talk Money, and we're just walking through this this whole mindset that we've been, as I talked at the very beginning of the program, of volatility, you know, whether we call it that, whether, I mean, you know, we could get into the thought process of, uh, is it turbulence? You know, well, we're trying to get some insight, and we've got the people on the program today to help us gain some insight. So uh, let me go to Rusty again. Or maybe, Keith, you've got a question? Well, no, I was just going to ask Rusty. You know, we always talk about the Fed raising rates, but now they're starting to talk a little bit more about the balance sheet, and that hasn't been something we've addressed in the long uh, in a long time. And I just wanted to get Rusty's opinion on that, if that's anything that we should be concerned about. Remember, the Fed has yeah, a agree, four yeah. uh, trillion plus balance sheet of bonds. <clears throat> oh, yeah. That's definitely something to be concerned about because we know the impact it had on the way up. As I was saying, all during Obama's administration, they were buying those bonds, and that was uh, helping the, the financial markets out. Basically, anything in, that was in a financial market, whether you bond stocks, commodities, or whatever, was benefited from the fact that the Federal Reserve was uh, effectively pumping money into the economy by buying those bonds and putting uh, that money into the hands of consumers and institutions, financial institutions and others. And uh, so now when they reverse the course, uh, that could very well have an impact on the uh, financial markets again. Maybe not on the economy, but on the financial markets, because they will uh, be taking money out. Instead of putting money into the system, they'll be taking money out by uh, reducing those holdings. So this is another way in which they could uh, you know, kind of impact uh, from a negative perspective the Trump administration. So there, I'm sure there'll be people who will say, well, if they're talking about this, that uh, they don't really need to do that, and it must be political. So yeah. that, that's another another angle to uh, keep an eye on. Uh, you know, there's also a thought, and, I, and I've and i read a little bit about this, and, and actually this is kind of where the rubber meets the road, right in our own backyard, but I hear concerns about growing college and, and 
even automobile loan deficit defaults, where a person just looks at his college loan and says, "I can't afford it, I can't pay it," and he defaults on it. Is is that something that we, as a as an economy, need to think through? And does Congress need to act on that? Because it's, could that derail the economy? Could that put us in? I mean, that's a lot of money, and all of a sudden, if we just defaulted, what would that do? Right. No, that's a good question. You know, what's interesting is you look back at 2008, and uh, when they had the crash there, it was because of mortgage debt. And mortgage debt makes up probably two-thirds of all consumer debt. It's a really big piece, and it's obviously a big piece of bank balance sheets. But uh, student debt, when you look at it, it's much, much smaller. Even though it's over a trillion dollars, it's way, way less than uh, the mortgage debt. And it's backed by the government. And so if it goes bad, the banking system doesn't go bad. And that's what really hurt us in 2008. It wasn't that the mortgages went bad. It was that uh, the bank's balance sheets blew up as a result of those mortgages going bad. So this won't – even if the students – all the students didn't pay, you know, all trillion, $1.3 trillion worth of student debt, nobody paid it off. Uh, that would be criminal and awful, but it wouldn't really impact uh, the banking system because the, the government would be backing up the vast majority of that debt. And uh, so it's really not a threat to the uh, to the economy or the banking system in the same way mortgage that was back in 2008. And car loans, same kind of thing. Uh, they're starting to tick up a little bit. The, the debt level or the non-payments and the delinquencies are ticking up a little bit there. And that's going to cause a little bit of a kerfuffle for the economy because all of a sudden the banks are going to get tighter on their lending standards and they won't you know, make as many loans. That means not as many cars will be sold. That will have an impact on the economy, but I think that will be more of a transitory effect, not something that will really undermine the economy. Because, again, the, the size of the, of the car loans out there is just not big enough to undermine the banking system. Well, you know, Rusty, when we, uh, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, it appears that some non, the non-U.S. equities uh, you know, are on this verge of outperforming you know, the, the U.S. And so I want to ask you, is it expected that, you know, that the U.S. has now done its course, or I mean, it's going to be volatile, and that's that. It's time now for us to think, you know, on the on the outside the U.S. type of investments, the alternative things, the looking at the mindset of, uh, you know, let's look at the alternative and go outside the U.S. Maybe there's some growth and opportunity there. I just want you to think about that before we when we come back. I want to kind of dive into that because that's been something that a lot of people have talked about a long time. And it does seem like we're moving in that direction. So if you just tuned in, my guest today, Keith Quinn, Drew Johnson, and our special guest, a frequent guest of ours, Rusty Leonard, CFA, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council Incorporated. A very good friend, and we thank him for what he does. We're going to come back, and we're going to dive into the idea, are we now looking at U.S. equities? Are they going to lag their international counterparts? Stay with us. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990. Views and opinions expressed are those of Rusty Leonard only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services Incorporated or Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. 
You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You, my guest today, Keith Quinn, Drew Johnson, and the CEO and founder of C of Stewardship Partners, Rusty Leonard, uh, a frequent guest of ours. And Rusty, before the break, we were actually talking, you know, about uh, this uh, the Trump administration, and and you know, maybe he hasn't been quite uh, his, some of his rhetoric pre-campaign or campaign rhetoric and his what's happening now is a little different but here's something that that i think there's a momentum we see it we feel it we wonder how you're what's your take on it i mean things aren't perfect in the united states and we're looking pretty good even though there's some people would say that maybe the positive returns that we've been experiencing may the turbulence maybe more volatility may not be as as simple and as he is, say, let's say the first quarter has been. While we look at that, and what about elsewhere? What about the international markets? Has how is the economic growth and corporate profits doing? Let's just take Europe as example. I mean, there seems to be momentum there. Is that going to begin to become the place of performance? And the U.S. not stop. And I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm trying to indicate. But maybe we're seeing a shift because for so long. It's been U.S. only, and Europe has been just anemic. Is that changing? Well, uh, certainly the markets are trying to tell you a little bit that it is. I'm not as convinced. I don't know if we're going to make Europe great again or not. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> there may there may be some hope there, but it's not. We you know we'll have to see after the French election whether or not uh, that's coming up this Sunday whether or not uh, the Europeans are kind of saying you know we need to have a change of mindset here. This uh, hasn't been working for everybody, and um, and if that's the case, if they do, if the French election does go to Marine Le Pen, who is the Trump-like character over there, um, then, you know, maybe there's some hope on the horizon for Europe. But basically, Europe is always grown at a very slow rate uh, because of socialism. They grow. It's not like it's a, the economy's okay, but it's not fantastic. And they have all kinds of other political and sort of economic problems that they have to deal with that, you know, you can't see them dealing with with the current people in power. So uh, while we could see Europe do well for a while because shares there are cheaper. They're not as expensive as the U.S., so there is more value there. At the same time, right now at least, uh, while economic a number of economic uh, developments are suggesting that it's perking up a little bit there, it's still perking up from a pretty moribund state, and corporate earnings are still pretty weak. So I'm not I'm not going I'm not willing to bet big yet on uh, Europe kind of uh, you know having a metamorphosis and moving into a, a new growth phase. I well, think it's probably going to remain in the slow growth phase unless we see some bigger changes. So, Rusty, you're saying that the best outcome for Europe would be Marine Le Pen winning the French election? He didn't say that. I thought that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> and I think long term, I absolutely agree, but that kind of signals the end of the European Union, right? It would be. The, it would. Yeah. It would. And that would be a good thing, wouldn't it? I mean, because the European Union has put a stranglehold on many of the countries there because absolutely. Germany dominates it, and they've been able to kind of you know get their way, and everybody else's way has been thrown, uh, thrown aside. So uh, I think it would be very freeing and liberating to a lot of the countries there, and a lot of the economies there, and a lot of businesses there, is suddenly the restrictions that they are under. Uh, with the European Union came off. 
Well, I think that's uh, that's a that's a great topic. We'll have to see and maybe have Rusty back because after the election. We'll find out what's going on. Right. Probably going to go to a runoff on Sunday, and it'll be the top two candidates, and that'll be May uh, 7th, and then we'll see after that. that. Yeah, we'll have to make sure that happens. Well, again, I guess there's been a kind of a pause. I mean, let's just be very frank. This would not, I won't say volatile pause, but this kind of a pause that's, you know, happened the last two weeks. Have we seen where equities just uh, took a breath, maybe, and stepped back uh, from the first quarter? I mean, if you look for the first 24 days, 22 days here, uh, 20 days of, of, of April, we've seen that normal. And that's a, that's something happens. Do you think basically, Rusty, and I guess I'm asking you guys too, is this a normal pause or is this more of a substantial pause? I mean, is this the beginning of the turbulence, the volatility of the summer? That's maybe, a, you know, we've already, we didn't have much of a winter, so maybe we're not having much of a, a move. So what do you think? Well, you know, obviously predicting the market in the short term is a perilous uh, <laughs> endeavor. So well, you just predi- you predicted what you wanted to happen in France, so I want to see what's going on in the market. Well, yeah, what I'd like to have happen yes, in France. I don't know what will happen in yeah, France. Right, right. right. It probably won't happen that Marine Le Pen will get elected. She'll probably lose in the second round. But, uh, but yes, uh, you know, it could easily be a corrective phase. We're way overdue for a little correction in the, in the stock market. But I don't see any uh, suggestion at this stage of the game that we should worry about some big crash. Uh, what, if we have a correction, that's just normal. In fact, it's healthy for the market. It needs to kind of, you know, gather up its uh, resources for the next move higher. And so it does that during the time when uh, it goes through a little bit of a correction. So it's very possible that we could be at the beginning of that. It may go down, you know, 10, 12% or something uh, as we have some worries about, you know, Trump's program getting through Congress or the monetary policy that we've talked about with the Fed, uh, the fact that they might start uh, selling some of the securities that they bought over the Obama years. All those things make the uh, you know, the justification for a, what is a completely normal uh, backtracking of the market for a while. Stock markets and stocks individually never go straight to the moon. You, you know, you look at some of the greatest stocks that you wish you had bought 20 years ago, like Apple Computer or something like that. You know, that stock was bounces all over the place. It's never straight a straight line. It's just the nature of markets. So just we have to anticipate that there's going to be some 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 of that going on. Well, we've got to take a break. We're going to go to the Mid-South History Moment. When we come back, Rusty's going to talk with us about this focus that we've seen recently about the escalating risk in Syria, Afghanistan, and North Korea. A lot of saber rattling. I mean, it is going on around the world, and everybody's got a saber out, and if there's bigger than somebody else's, it's amazing what's going on. I want to find out, Rusty, what do you really think's going on? What do you? Are we in a chance for, for a, a nuclear war? I, I want your opinion. I get the opinion from these two guys also. We'll put it all together for you when we come back. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Securian Financial Services, Incorporated. Member FINRA, SIPC, Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Neither Securian Financial Services, Incorporated, nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Rusty Leonard or Stewardship Partners Investment Council, Incorporated. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital is a true testament to the power of promises. 
As a struggling young actor, Danny Thomas made a vow that he would build a shrine to St. Jude, the patron saint of hopeless causes, if he ever found success. After hearing a story of an African-American boy in the South who died after a segregated hospital refused to admit him, Thomas decided to fulfill his vow by building a children's hospital in the South. At the urging of Bishop Samuel Stritch and in partnership with Dr. Lemuel Diggs, both of whom had strong ties to the Mid-South, Thomas chose Memphis for the site of his hospital. After establishing the American Lebanese Syrian Associated Charities in 1957, Thomas saw the opening of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital five years later. Since that time, breakthroughs at St. Jude have increased the survival rate for the most common form of childhood leukemia from 4% to 94%, making St. Jude a recognized leader in the treatment of cancer. St. Jude has saved and improved the lives of children from all over the world, and it all began with one man's act of gratitude. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money, as you know, is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm. Estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. And I want to thank them. They're one of our key players in what we do in the fact that they're able to help you move through a lot of those questions that you have when it comes to setting down and planning for retirement or working through your estate. It's all about elder law. The Mac Bailey Law Firm, Mac Bailey and his team, spends a lot of time with you, answers a lot of questions, and we're proud to have them as one of our sponsors. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Investments in commodities and natural resources involve heightened risk due to leveraging and speculative investment practices, lack of periodic valuation requirements, and potentially complex tax structures. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. We're talking with Rusty Litter, the the CEO and founder of Stewardship Partners, and also talking with Keith Quinn and Drew Johnson. And I mentioned before the break that we were talking about saber-rattling. Now, I'll be candid with you. Part of this, we were talking about this earlier, Keith, that this is kind of that, it's a, it's a, I got a bigger saber than you, or at least I want you to think I have a bigger saber. Well, I was going to say, the problem is North Korea's sabers are fake. (laughs) (laughs) They have an unblemished record of failure. (laughs) That's right. right. Well, I want to hear what Rusty thinks. Rusty, do you believe that this could really signify some kind of a significant breakout of hostilities? I mean, and what would that do, in your opinion? Let's go, I mean, I'm thinking 9-11, and I remember that extremely well, of what was going on. And is this a possibility? Are we looking at geopolitical problems, saber-rattling, significant hostilities, all the above? Uh, I think, first of all, I think the market is certainly part of the reason why it slowed down here a little bit is because of concerns surrounding that. But I do believe, as uh, Keith has already kind of indicated, that some of this may be uh, overblown relative to reality. Um, There's, you know, you look at what happened in Syria, uh, you know, it was very targeted attack. Clearly, we weren't going to get into, uh, we were doing everything we can to avoid, and we are doing everything we can. We did everything we could, and we're doing everything we can to avoid getting into a shooting war with uh, Russia. Uh, but, you know, it's a risk. They're, they're there on the ground, and uh, our guys are on the ground and in the air. And so, obviously, the market's going to be concerned about that until it goes away. And it seems like it's going away at the moment. Uh, in Afghanistan, we dropped the biggest non-nuclear bomb ever. So that kind of gets people's attention. Again, it's not something that uh, – it was just common sense to use that particular uh, type of bomb there. It doesn't necessarily mean some kind of escalation that's going to, you know, 
lead to some other thing. And I think it was a demonstration to uh, North Korea to say, hey, by the way, you know, we have this thing. You, you ought to really remember that, and we're going to use it. So I think uh, that actually, the, the use of that particular bomb is probably something that would um, calm down the tensions in North Korea just because it sent the, the appropriate signal that, you know, we're, we're will, ready, willing, and able to use that bomb. And then North Korea, they, that is a real threat, obviously, because uh, they do have nuclear weapons. Uh, we don't know exactly what they might have in our arsenal, though we probably do know exactly. You and I don't know exactly, but probably the uh, CIA yeah, knows I would exactly say. what they have. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I just think it's, uh, you know, there, it could turn into a shooting war for sure there because, um you know, it seems like President Trump is just fed up with trying to, you know, follow the same path that's been followed for the last couple of decades there that is so fruitless. And because they're on the cusp of getting, you know, being able to weaponize some of those ballistic missiles with nuclear weapons, which would be a threat to the United States. So it does make sense that we should be a little concerned about what's going on there. However, I really don't think we should be that concerned. I, I actually had the privilege of sitting next to a military guy some years back, and when uh, the current ruler ruler's father was in power and causing trouble. And I said, so tell him what the real deal is there. He says, you don't have to worry about North Korea. We could destroy that in 15 minutes. So <laughs> we've, got a, we've got enough weapons uh, aimed at their key, uh, you know, key weapons factories and key weapon installments all throughout North Korea that, uh, you know, we start launching a few missiles and, uh, you know, it would be over before. Basically, if there is, if we go at them full force, uh, the war would be over before we even heard that it started. Yeah, that's it. Well, and I think we've heard a lot about that. Again, it is, though. It's amazing that the market does kind of seem to react a little bit, That, but that's very normal. That's the emotional side. And, Rusty, isn't it, isn't it a really positive development when you see some of the things, again, that have come out of, of Trump's meeting with the, with the Chinese president at Mar-a-Lago, when, they, when now the Chinese are turning back uh, coal shipments and, and, you know, trying to actually exert some pressure on North Korea? Yeah, and uh, does the press give President Trump any credit for that? I don't know. Not really. It's, it's a huge turn of events. The Chinese sat on their hands and let us, you know, kind of you know, percolate in this mess with North Korea. And all of a sudden, you know, obviously President Trump negotiated something with these guys and said, you know, if you don't do X, we'll do Y. Yeah. And, uh, and so that got their attention, and they're, they're doing stuff now. So. Well, last question for you. We've, uh, boy, time, man, time flies when we're having fun. But uh, I really, I guess my question is, bonds, and, and really Drew is going to talk about the misconception of bonds. My, Drew, we've been so tied up in this economy thing. We're going to get this in, though, I promise you. Now, I don't know how, but we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk fast. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they're doing, seem to be doing better. They, they're not where I would have thought. If you'd asked me in January where would the bond market be, I probably would not have told you where I th- where it is today. Why is that, and what does it mean for our economic growth prospect? And what about stocks? What does that do for stocks? Uh, so, on the bond front, uh, what we're looking at is the, the spear of war that just popped up the last couple of weeks, plus the fact that the economic uh, data has weakened up a little bit here in the short run. So that's caused the bond market to uh, appreciate quite a bit, and you know, basically start factoring in a slowdown in the U.S. economy. And the first quarter GDP number is not going to be a real strong number. It's you know, 1% or so. So uh, all those things, have, are anything that's bad for the economy is good for bonds. And so that's why the bonds have rebounded a little bit. And if the economy, if the bonds are doing well, that generally means that the, the economy isn't doing as well, and that means it's not as good for stocks. So the that's one of the reasons why we've been going down just a tad here lately as the market tries to figure out, is this economy really not going to grow as fast as we thought it was? 
That's a good point. I mean, that's, you know, Rusty, you always bring this this thought process to us. You help us get through some, I think, the, the weeds, and he does that ex- extremely well. A really good job. And uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate you being on the program with us again today and always. And uh, let's go look, and uh, we may come back in May and talk about the election that uh, he has predicted, you know, for France. <laughs> Absolutely. Or, <laughs> Hopefully it'll be good news. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend, and I appreciate you so much. Yeah, appreciate you guys, too. Thanks very much. Thanks, Rusty. Thanks, Rusty. Now, when we come back, I want to tell you, we've got uh, Drew Johnson, and he is going to, he's been sitting over here on Ready. He's going to walk us through a couple of misconceptions of bonds and the bond. What are we thinking about buying bonds? So you don't want to miss that part of the program. It is uh, chock full of information because so many times we get to thinking about bond investing, why it's important, but we don't always understand it. That's what he's going to drive us through. Help us understand the bond market and what we're doing. Not making recommendations, but giving us knowledge. I appreciate what he's going to do. Stay with us. We'll be back in a few minutes just about talking about making money and helping people manage it. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll be right back after this. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs, it's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're glad to have you with us again today. We're talking with Drew Johnson. We're talking about misconceptions about investing with bonds and using bonds as a part of a portfolio. Of course, we talk about allocation and how to look at it, stocks, bonds, and cash. And then we diversify, whether you're buying large-cap growth or or small-cap growth or international stocks, but also in the bond side, whether or not you're buying international bonds, whether you're not municipal bonds, corporate bonds, or junk bonds, all of those things. And there are misconceptions about what you're buying sometimes. And I know that's such an issue a lot of people misunderstand, but I want to make sure you understand we're not going to be recommending any type, whether or not you buy or don't buy bonds. That's not the purpose of what we're dealing with here. We're just talking about the misconceptions. And the first one that Drew's going to help us through or the question or the comment is bonds are safe. Uh, I hate that word. Yeah, that's a tough word. <laughs> For investing, you know, that's not good. Yeah, what does it? What does this statement mean? That's kind of the question. And I've heard people say, oh, I was told the bonds are safe. And so, all right, Drew, help us define that. What does that mean when you talk about that? Yeah, well, it seems like a clear statement on the face of it, but it's, it's really not. A lot of people talk about, well, they talk about bonds, but they don't really quite understand what a bond is. And we use the word safe all the time like it's clear, but it's, it's really not. Uh, you know, to start, we've we got to be careful to define our terms. Uh, a bond is ultimately a loan. 
that an investor makes to a corporation or to a government or to an agency of a government uh, in exchange for both interest payments over a specified time plus the repayment of the principal of that loan at the at the maturity date. It's a lot like uh, renting an apartment, but from the landlord's perspective, you a tenant comes in and they want to they want to rent an apartment from you, so you loan them the apartment in return. They pay you their rent payments over a year or however long the lease is, and at the end, they pay the last rent payment, and uh, you get your apartment unit back. A bond works uh, much the same way. Uh, now, if we're talking about safe, you know, let's just go. Let's crack open the dictionary. Merriam-Webster defines safe as either free from harm or risk, or secure from threat of danger, harm, or loss. All right, now given that bonds are composed of interest payments and the principal payment, let's talk about those in the sense of are they free from risk? Well, any organization that's making interest payments to a lender has got to make those payments from somewhere. They can only do that uh, if they are continuing to receive revenue from one source. And since bonds are issued by a wide variety of different organizations, whether it's governments or corporations, uh, those different organizations have very different ways of achieving future revenue. All right. Now, let me let me get to this. So we're talking about safe, and, and that's a big word. And I think, Keith, you even made a comment that, you know, oh, we have to be careful. We just don't use the Right. Term. In the context of investing, investing safe can be really misleading. Safe. So Very much we so. We do hear that a lot, that, you know, hey, I got so many bonds or, or my portfolio, because I'm a risk averse, I'm buying larger amounts of bonds. So my portfolio is, quote unquote, safe. Right. Now, now that's where I want people to listen. This is very, very important because you're driving us down. Now, you were you went through this process. You talked about interest bearing and it, who's issuing it, and the fact that the various organizations you need to have the ability to understand the the prediction of what they're going to pay. I mean, uh, if we went to Keith, he's solid. He's going to make every payment he's supposed to. So that's a Definitely. solid investment. You come to me, and I am so... You're a little sketchy. I'm a little sketchy. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, that would be a different bond risk. Exactly. Keith Solid, AAA, I'm risky, slow pay, and, and haven't done... I may be junk. Right. All bonds are not created, created equal. equal. That's a great point. All right, Keith, uh, Drew, help us go through this, the rest of this. I, you do. That's great information and important for us to understand. Well, if we're talking about revenue and the way that the way that organizations raise it, I mean, if you're talking about bonds issued by a government, well, the government can always boost the revenue by raising your taxes. And so, if you own a government bond, they will they will gladly take uh, money out of your well, one pocket in taxes uh, to put it back in on a, on a bond interest payment. Yeah, we uh, always say government bonds are backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government, and that's why everybody wants to own them. them. That's so the yeah. safest investment out there. Yeah, right. Uh, but if we're talking about a corporation, well, I mean, a corporation can't force you to buy anything. It's not the same as government raising your taxes. Corporations have to compete with each other, and they have to innovate and improve efficiency and come out with new products. And the, the takeaway from that is, you know, you can be looking at a at a company today, and it can look like a very solid, profitable enterprise, and, and then it can be totally different a year from now, ten years now uh, from now. Uh, companies that are profitable today may not be profitable tomorrow, and that poses a risk for their ability to uh, service their existing debt. 
And also another important point. So we, you know, we didn't really even talk about maturities. A bond that's maturing a year from now with a corporation probably doesn't carry as much risk as a bond that's maturing, as Drew said, 10 years out, because there's an awful lot that can happen in the intervening 10 years. All right. This is extremely good information. And and with Rusty, what we talked about with him and getting the, the economics, let me ask you this, guys. Can you, Drew, can we work this out? I need, we need to do this and in depth, because this is powerful information. This is important for our listening audience. Can you be? Can you come back next week and do it again? Oh, absolutely. All right, let's do that, Keith. Can you? Uh, I'll, I'll check my calendar. Oh, okay. Maybe, check I, my calendar. maybe I could. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll work you in. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would appreciate it because here we're talking about misconceptions about bond investing, and that is preliminary. That is fundamental. Everybody thinks about investing in the bond market, and it's safe, and we want to con- you know, take care of those misconceptions, and that's important. So thank you, guys. We'll, we'll get back into this in depth next week. Our pleasure. So, Sounds great. If you've been listening to us, you need to know next week's program is going to be about the popular misconceptions about bond investing. You don't want to miss that program. Drew Johnson, Keith Quinn will be with me next week. They've been a part of this program. Rusty Leonard, of course, was our guest host, the guest person today, and did a great job. I want to thank, of course, my producer and board operator, Gil Worth, does a great job for us. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant Eleanor Moskovich and compliance officer Tommy Armstrong. And, of course, Mid-South History Moment is read by Rebecca Brazier, written by our very own Drew Johnson. Thank you for being a part of today's program. We hope you've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed bringing it to you and giving you the information. Stay with us, because when we come back next week, you're going to listen to misconceptions about the bond market. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker, Keith Quinn, and Drew Johnson are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.